We are in our Holy Ghost series, and we've been talking a lot about who Holy Spirit is, but in this next few weeks, we're going to start focusing more on the specific things that Holy Spirit empowers us to do. And so today, we're going to begin talking about those amazing spiritual gifts, okay? And so I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 14.1. We don't have it on the screen or on the chat over there, but you can look it up on your phone like we used to do back in the day when we had Bible apps and stuff and physical Bibles. But 1 Corinthians 14.1, or you could just listen. Paul writes, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Now, the Greek translation for spiritual gifts here is charismata. Charis, which means grace, and mata, which means gifts. So spiritual gifts are essentially grace gifts or gifts grace to us from God. And so we understand that. And Paul says to eagerly desire them. Now, I found this definition of spiritual gifts to be super helpful. I think Tim Keller came up with it. He says, spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities that God bestows or God-given natural abilities that function through the direction of the Holy Spirit for the advancement of his kingdom. There are 21 to 25 spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. They're kind of like Pokemon. You want to collect them all, right? And so there's a lot of gifts listed in the New Testament. Now, an old-school way of understanding spiritual gifts is kind of like the X-Men. How many of you grew up watching X-Men or read the comics or watched the cartoon series? Best cartoon series ever. But in the X-Men, each mutant gets like a specific power, right? Cyclops has like laser vision or something. Uh, Magneto can manipulate metal. Storm can control the weather. I think Storm is the best mutant, by the way. But if you watch or read X-Men long enough, you start to notice that some of the mutants' powers are noticeably cooler than the others, right? And so Wolverine has adamantium claws. He's virtually indestructible, and he has super fast healing powers, And then Jubilee can just shoot fireworks out of her hands, right? And then there's Gambit, who has the power of transferring energy to any object he touches, and he throws it, and it's like an energy force. And then there's Toad, that literally his powers are, he takes on all the characteristics of a Toad, right? And there's this mutant I found online. His name is I Scream, like I Scream, like ah! And his only mutant power, literally, is to change into any flavor of ice cream that he wants at any moment. And so... I feel like with spiritual gifts, sometimes we view it like that. It's like, man, why does that person have all the cool spiritual gifts and I just have the whack ones, right? Like, they could prophesy, you know, they could preach, they could lead worship like Jacob, and I'm just here with hospitality. Or, or they're over there speaking in tongues and they sound so cool, like they're rattling off something against the devil, and I'm here and I just have the spiritual gift of admin. By the way, admin is the best gift in my opinion. Admin is a powerful, powerful gift. And so you ever look at someone and envy their spiritual gift or say, why can't I have the cool gifts like that? I think this is the wrong way of viewing what spiritual gifts are. If we view it like the X-Men, it's like everyone has their power. But I think a a more biblical way of understanding spiritual gifts is that the moment we receive the Holy Spirit, we have access to all of his good gifts. It's not like I just have one or two. No, we have access to every spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit empowers us with. It's not like the gift of singing where you either have it or you don't. I don't know if you've ever been with someone who's completely tone deaf, but no matter how much training they go through, doesn't matter if they go through Ariana Grande's apprenticeship, it doesn't matter how much training, if they don't have the gift, they don't have the gift. But it's not like that. As believers and carriers of the Holy Spirit, 
We have every gift accessible to us. Isn't that great? Give me an amen. Uh, I do want to note that while there may be specific gifts that we have a grace for based on our personalities and passions, as believers, we have access to all of the gifts. A good example is my friend Christopher. Like, he has the gift of dream interpretation like no other. He's kind of like Joseph from the Bible. And so back in college, we would all send everyone to Christopher when they had dreams, like weird spiritual dreams or or things they felt like God was saying. And he'd just be able to interpret it with such clarity, and they would understand what God is trying to speak. Now, while he has a grace for that specific gift, he also has the access to all other spiritual gifts like prophecy and tongues and things that we're going to get into here as a family. And so the spiritual gifts we're talking about over the next few weeks aren't just for him or her or you, but it's for everyone. It's for every single believer in the body of Christ, and we're encouraged to eagerly desire them. Cool? You guys got that? Awesome. So today we're starting with the weirdest gift of all on our first in-person stream. In our first in-person service, we're talking about the gift of tongues, Oh, wow. People are excited for that. Usually people are ready to run out of the room. Now, first, let's just get this out of the way. The gift of tongues is hella weird. Like, just think about it. Even if you practice the gift, it's weird. Like, what is it? Like, it's so strange. I remember the first time I was exposed to the gift of tongues. I was um, an elementary school student, but my cousins were in youth group. And so I got invited to their youth retreat by default. And so I showed up, and everything was super cool. I was the young kid. Everyone was older than me, so everything was so fresh. You know, they were so cool. Even the songs they were singing, they weren't like Sunday school songs anymore. They had electric guitar. They had drums. It was so rad. And so I was having such a good time at youth camp until nighttime, where we went to service. And everything's normal. We sang songs. We heard a beautiful message. We started to pray. But I remember there was a turning point. The pastor said, turn off all the lights. And so the lights went off. I'm sitting there, I'm a kid, like, oh, you know, we prayed, we, we sang songs, we heard a message, is it time for marshmallows? Like, what is this? It's like, all right, everyone just start praying. And all of a sudden, all around me, one by one, I just start hearing these weird, strange noises. And think about it, I'm like a kid in fourth grade, just sitting there, and I'm just hearing like, like all around me. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm in a cult. They're going to sacrifice me. It's over, and I just, no one explained to me what was going on. It's just like the whole room was just speaking in tongues, and it was so scary and so strange. And so whenever I thought about tongues, like, I didn't want anything to do with it. It was freaky. It was weird. It was scary. And like me, maybe you've had weird experiences with the gift of tongues, or maybe you grew up in a really conservative setting where, you know, we're not to do anything with those heretical tongue speakers, or maybe you just haven't heard enough about tongues. Regardless of your history with tongues, we have to acknowledge that the early church not only practiced the gift of tongues, but Paul encourages every believer to want them and to practice them. 1 Corinthians 14.5, Paul says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. And as your pastor, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Please don't leave our church. Okay, let's look at the origins. Acts 2, 1 through 4. We're just going to look at a couple passages really quick just to show you um, instances in the New Testament where tongues fell on the people. Acts 2, 1 1 through 4 is probably the most famous. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so we see the, the, the apostles are gathered, gathered together, disciples are there, and Holy Spirit falls, and what happens? They start speaking in different tongues. Acts 10, 44 through 46, another instance. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. One more, Acts 19.6. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And so in reading these passages, we can conclude that when the Holy Spirit falls, one of the byproducts is that people begin speaking in the gift of tongues. Okay? Now, there are 26 accounts in the New Testament of people being filled with the Holy Spirit, but only three of them mention people speaking in tongues. So it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. Now, I want to first dispel three common false teachings about tongues. Some of you may have heard this or may have just subscribed to this, but I believe these are really dangerous to the body. The first is this. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. That is absolutely not true. You can be saved and not speak in tongues. Um, as evidenced probably by our congregation, there's some people that don't speak in tongues and they are saved, and so you have all of them. Number two, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, in some charismatic settings, they, there's kind of a culture where if you don't speak in tongues, you're like less mature or you're less spiritual or you're less in tune with God. That is absolutely not true. You are filled with the Holy Spirit the moment you gave your life to Jesus. He gave you all of himself, not just a piece of himself. And so this is absolutely false. This is not true. Just because you don't speak in tongues doesn't mean you're less mature, less spiritual, less holy. And then the third common misconception is speaking in tongues is not for today. It's for those weird disciples back in the day, the apostles. You know, cessationism, they believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased because they're no longer necessary. The early church needed them to get the church off the ground and to produce the Holy Bible. But now that we have the Bible, the gifts are no longer necessary, so they ceased being released. Uh, we don't believe that. We believe that the spiritual gifts are still active today, and we should practice them. Okay, so those are three common misconceptions that we just need to break down. But what is the gift of tongues? What is it? It's just so weird, so mysterious. What is it? I think this is a helpful definition that I found from John Mark Comer. He says this, The gift of tongues is a form of prayer and praise you express to God in a language you do not understand. And so tongues is a form of prayer and praise unto God that you don't necessarily understand. The word for tongues in Greek is glossa. Why don't you just say it? I just love hearing your voice, glossa. Which simply means other languages. And so there are two ways that the gift of tongues are expressed. The first, an unlearned earthly language. If we look back to the Acts 2 account, what happened? The Holy Spirit falls on the disciples. They start speaking in tongues and the crowds gather because they're noticing all of them are from different lands with different dialects and different tongues. They're noticing that their native languages are being spoken by the disciples. 
And I told you that story last week about the Korean drunk man that I found in the alley. If you, if you weren't tuning in last week, that sounds really random, um, but out of context. But I was in Korea, and I found myself ministering to an old Korean drunk man. And I am the worst Korean speaker in the world. I am a disgrace to Korea, my, my motherland. And so I suck at Korean. I don't know how to speak Korean. Not only that, spiritual Korean words are like another level of Korean dialect that I do not understand. And I found myself in an alleyway hugging an old drunk man. And I started praying for him in perfect Korean. And I was praying things like, the Father's love is in you. The Spirit is moving. I'm saying all these words that I have no idea, never heard, never understood. I really believe that that was a moment of God giving me tongues. And by the way, I'm the saddest excuse for a Korean if the supernatural tongues that God gives me is Korean. I just have to get that out of the way. There was another time I was in China, and I was praying for someone. And as I was praying, I started praying in tongues for them. After I finished praying, they were in tears. They said, how did you know my native dialect? I said, what? He said, there was a moment in the prayer where you started saying sentences in my dialect. I said, what? I don't even know your language. Like, I don't even know what that dialect is. That's one expression of the gift of tongues. It's an unlearned earthly language. It's a supernatural bestowment of an unlearned language. But the second expression, which is probably the more freaky one, is a spiritual or heavenly language. There's sounds and utterances that cannot be distinguished in any earthly language. And it's not like you could record someone speaking in tongues and you're like noticing every you know, indication and utterance and you're trying to like piece it together and make a language out of it. Like every tongue sound different. Like, my old pastors, they have very distinct tongues. Pastor Benjamin, he sounds like, if you know him, that's exactly what he sounds like. His wife, Pastor Sonny, he's like, like they, have, they have very distinct tongues. And so it's not like a language. It's a spiritual language that no one understands but God. And so I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 14, 2. It goes on to say, Paul says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Now, first of all, tongues is a form of prayer and praise that's meant to be expressed to God. First and foremost, it's something between you and him, not between you and your neighbor. Meaning, you're not going up to your community group member after community group and just like going up to them and speaking in tongues and asking them to understand. It's, it's meant first and foremost between you and God. It's supposed, to, it's supposed to enhance. It's supposed to bring you intimacy in your relationship with him. And so it's a form of prayer or worship unto God. It's a gift primarily for your personal spiritual relationship with him. All that to say, you won't catch me coming up to you after service speaking in tongues, okay? So you don't have to worry about that. Second... You are uttering mysteries. You have no idea what you're saying. You know, there's so many parts of our faith that we feel like we need to rationalize. And, you know, if you're walking with Jesus, you better get comfortable with mystery. And this is one of those things where when you're speaking in tongues, it's a mystery. You don't know what you're saying. You don't know what's going on. You're uttering mysteries. And there are some parts of our faith that cannot be rationalized. There are some parts of our faith that we can't get down in our head. And I think most often with the gift of tongues, the one thing that stands in the way is our heads. And this is one of those gifts where we have to get comfortable with mystery. 
Get comfortable with supernatural. Get comfortable with things we don't totally understand. We have to give up the control of that. Most often when I'm praying in tongues, I have no idea what I'm saying. I have no idea what I'm praying. I know it might look like I am, like you know, I'm like laser focused and I'm pr- No, I have no idea what I am uttering. Sometimes I get impressions of what I'm saying, but most of the times they're mysteries and they're meant to be mysteries. There are parts of our faith that need to remain mysteries. Theologian N.T. Wright, which we draw from a lot, he says, tongues refers to the gift of speech, which through making sounds and using apparent or even actual languages somehow bypasses the speaker's conscious mind. Such speech is experienced as a stream of praise in which though the speaker may not be able to articulate what precisely is being said, a sense of love for God, of adoration and gratitude, wells up and overflows. It is like a private language of love. I love that. You ever have a friend growing up and you guys developed your own secret language together? Like I had a best friend, his name was Alan, and we used to make up our own language. We had like hidden ciphers and codes and stuff and we'd use it with each other. Tongues is like your secret private language between you and God. It's a way of connecting with him. This is just for me and you. Only me and you understand this. This is us. It's a private love language to God. And so why practice this strange gift to God when you have no idea what you're saying? Why practice the gift of tongues? I want to give you two reasons why, and then we're going to get to the how. Number one, when we pray in tongues, we strengthen ourselves. 1 Corinthians 14.4 Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Paul makes it very clear that spiritual gifts, their primary function is to bless, to build up, and encourage the body of Christ. But tongues is the exception. It's the only gift that can be a blessing to the body, but is primarily for strengthening and edifying yourself, building yourself up. This is why Paul says that he'd rather you prophesy, and we're going to get to that in two weeks, the gift of prophecy. He said, I'd rather have you prophesy than speak in tongues because you're building up the body of Christ, which fulfills the primary function of spiritual gifts. But he says, I still want you to eagerly desire them because it's for building up and edifying yourself. There's a supernatural strength promised to those who pray in tongues. And I don't know about you, but there are times when I don't have the luxury of going to my pastor I don't have the luxury of waiting for Sunday service or waiting for community group. I don't have the luxury of opening up a YouTube video and getting encouragement. I don't have the luxury of opening Spotify and listening to a worship song. I need to be strengthened at that moment, and I don't have the luxury of doing those other things. Tongues is a way of strengthening yourself in those moments when you need inner strength, when you need that strength from the Most High. Um, I actually met Ying for the first time. I spoke at his youth group retreat. And um, that's, some of you know Jeremy and Anna, that's where I met them too. They worked me. JP, were you there? Okay. They worked me harder than any youth group I had gone to before. They made me preach, get this, 10 sessions in five days. I had to write 10 sermons. I came with like three, and I was just like, I'm trying to split them up. I don't know how I'm going to do 10 sermons for youth kids. And it was crazy. That was the craziest camp. I showed up, and right when I got there, someone came to my car window. There's like, there's been a lice outbreak. Like, stay in your room. Stay quarantined. So I'm like, I go to my room. I'm freaked out. I got to write 10 sermons. I swear, by sermon three, I was tired. 
And the worst part is you don't have reception out there. You're up in the mountains somewhere in Santa Cruz, so I can't just, like, go online and find, like, I was, I was running out of strength and energy, and I remember one thing that sustained me during that time. They were a really conservative church, so if they found out that I was speaking in tongues, they would have kicked me out. So I did it in secret. I was praying in tongues. And it was crazy because I felt this supernatural strength well up on the inside of me, giving me power that I could not have conjured myself. Tongues gives you the ability to strengthen yourself, to strengthen your inner man or your women. God strengthens you from the inside out. It's one way, one reason why God calls us to speak in the gift of tongues. Now, there is one exception. Paul does say, if anyone speaks in a tongue, or at two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So he's talking about the corporate church gathering. He's saying, don't get to the corporate church gathering, grab the mic, and just start preaching in tongues. Don't do that unless you have an interpreter. Now, I think the, the interpretation of tongues is probably, in my mind, one of the rarest spiritual gifts in our day and age. I've only met a handful of people that practice it, Um, My grandpa, my grandma, actually, my grandfather used to speak in tongues. And the only person that could understand him was my grandma. And so she was like his personal interpreter when when he was speaking in tongues. But that's kind of rare in our day and age. So he's saying there is a, a function where it blesses the body, but there needs to be interpretation. That's why you're not going to catch us up here um, spending 30 minutes of our service speaking in tongues. Because Paul's saying for the order of the worship service, there needs to be interpretation. But the gift is primarily for your relationship, your personal interaction with God, for your strengthening. Now, the second reason, so first, we speak in tongues to strengthen ourselves. Number two, we speak in tongues to allow the Spirit to intercede for us. I don't know if you've ever felt like this, but there are many times when I come before God and I have no idea what to say. Sometimes I'm so tired and discouraged and I don't even know what to pray or how to pray. Or have you ever experienced this? I'm so emotionally disconnected. I, don't, I know I'm not doing well, but I don't know why. And so I don't know what to pray. I don't know what words to say, God. But look, in Romans 8.26, Paul says, we do not know what we ought to pray for. Hallelujah. That's like me nine out of ten times. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And so when we don't know what to pray, when we don't have the words, when we don't know what our souls are trying to express, Holy Spirit prays for us through the gift of tongues. And so I remember a season where I was so tired, and I don't know if you've ever gone through a season where the only word I could use to describe it is you're numb, right? You know you're not doing well, but you don't know why. You don't know really what's going on inside of you. It's all just like a gray muck, and I remember in that season, I could not pray. Like, every time I try to pray, I don't know what to pray for, God. Um, help me out of this muck. Okay, that's it. I don't know what else to say. But I remember one thing that got me through it was praying in tongues. And I remember in that season where I was so emotionless, disconnected, as I started to pray in tongues, I started weeping in my prayer time. I had no idea why. I didn't know what I was saying. But I knew that the Spirit of God within me was expressing the wordless groans of anguish and pain that I was experiencing, the frustration, everything that was going on inside of me that I had no idea to connect to my mind or my heart or my brain or will to understand, but the Spirit was interceding on my behalf. 
And so when we pray in tongues, we're able to express the wordless groans of our hearts. And I find that the gift of tongues, it refreshes our prayer lives. We're able to pray longer because honestly, I think most of us don't pray because we don't know what to pray or we don't know what to say. And so in those moments, I'm so thankful for the gift of tongues because I'm able to pray even though I don't know what to say, I know my spirit is coming into agreement with what God is saying. And so when I run out of things to say in my prayer time, I pray in tongues. When I don't know what to pray, I pray in tongues. When words aren't enough, I pray in tongues. When I don't have strength, I pray in tongues. These are all reasons Paul wants the body, you and I, the believers, the church, to practice the gift of tongues. And it's available to every believer. Cool? So I hope I sold you on tongues. Now, how do you receive the gift of tongues? I have a great answer for this. There is no formula. There is no one-size-fits-all. I've heard stories of people receiving the gift when they weren't even asking. They didn't even want it, and it falls upon them. I've had people that have been longing for it, praying for it for years, and then finally getting it out of nowhere. I know people that have been longing for it that still haven't received it. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 should encourage us. Paul says, all these are the works of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So it's our job as the believer to eagerly desire, first of all, and to ask and pursue. But it's God's job and his wisdom and his will to decide when he's going to distribute them. And so I remember for me, my, my journey, I got the gift of tongues when I was a freshman in college. And I had been praying for the gift for an entire year. I heard a sermon like this, a teaching like this, and I was like, I want that gift. I want to strengthen myself. I want to be able to pray wordless groans. And so I was praying for it for a year. Every prayer meeting I went to, I was like, God, give me the gift. Like some, in charismatic circles, it's so bad, but they actually have you repeat certain phrases to get your tongue going. I don't subscribe to that. But I tried that too, and I was just like babbling, and I was trying for a whole year, and I was so discouraged it wasn't coming. And I remember I was at a youth retreat ministering, leading worship for the first time. And during prayer time, I started praying for some of the youth kids. And as I was praying, out of nowhere, I wasn't even praying for myself. The gift of tongues fell on me. And I started praying in tongues. But I remember the frustration. I want it, but it's not coming. I'm even trying. I'm, I'm moving my mouth, God, do something, but it's not coming. But I was encouraged knowing that it's upon God's will, his timing, and his, his determination, and his wisdom when he wants to release it. So there's not one size fits all. There's no formula for this, but I will give you four steps because we are preaching a sermon here. Number one, I think these are helpful principles to create a space where you can receive the gift of tongues. Number one, create space. Carve out time in your life to receive from God. It's kind of like you have to have a birthday party if you want to receive all the gifts. I mean, people can mail them through Amazon, but it's not the same, right? And so we have to create a time and space where, where we can allow God to fill. Okay, number two, ask. He's not a tricky God who teases us. He's a good father who gives us what he promises us. He'll give it to us in his timing, but he's not going to trick you and say, here you go, just kidding, right? So create space and ask. Number three, with the big asterisk, open your mouth. Now, like I mentioned, in some charismatic circles, you have to repeat a phrase to get your mouth going. I don't subscribe to that. 
Now, there's this joke, should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Hyundai instead, right? Like, keep saying that, should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Hyundai. Yeah, I keep saying that. <laughs> I don't subscribe to that. But there is something to be said. He doesn't need our help to give us the gift. But there's something about stepping out in faith and risking. And so creating spacing, ask God, and I would suggest start praying out loud. Start using your lips. Start using your tongue and praying. Even if it's just your own words, begin opening your mouth because I do believe that faith will grow only where it's needed. And so as we start to speak, we're giving a space for God to fill, a, a, a space for God to touch, a thing for God to move upon. And so create space, ask, open your mouth. And last, you have to grow in it. For me, when I got the gift, I, I remember I can only make a few utterances at a time, and it would be so weird. But as I started practicing the gift, I started cultivating it. It's kind of like a language. You know, the reason why I'm so bad at Korean is because when I was supposed to be in Korean school practicing Korean, I was actually in the playground playing on the monkey bars. And so I didn't practice Korean, so I am very bad at Korean in the same way I think the tongues, the gift of tongues is something we have to cultivate. It's a gift that we have to continue practicing. So it may start with a sound or a syllable or a word or a phrase, but as you practice, you grow in it. You know, there are days when my whole prayer time now is just speaking and praying in tongues. It's something you have to grow in. So create space, ask God, and then open your mouth and practice it by growing in it. Um, one more thing before we move on. Where do we practice this gift? Once you do receive the gift, we practice it in our home, in our personal time with God. And these are two aspirational ones I want us to take to heart. I would love for us to practice the gift of tongues in our worship time. There's something about being in an atmosphere where people are just connecting and communing with God that builds faith. I think it might freak some people out, but I think as long as we explain it, it's okay. But I think in corporate worship, it's such a beautiful time to begin expressing the wordless groans of your heart. Some people pray in tongues like Kim Walker Smith, which is beautiful too, but whatever you want to do, I think in that setting, it's beautiful. And also in corporate prayer, I would love to see our community practice the gift in corporate prayer. And so as Paul desired that every believer should speak in the gift of tongues as your pastor, I desire that each of you here at 99 would speak in tongues as well. There's a new strength that comes. Your prayer life is refreshed and rejuvenated. With that said, if you never receive the gift, that is okay. It doesn't make you less spiritual, less mature than I am. It just means there are other gifts that you've tapped into that the body of Christ needs. But with that said, I think we should never stop eagerly desiring it. Um, someone who I looked up to a lot growing up, John Piper. Many of you might know him. Um, I mean, I think recently there are things that I disagree with his theology, but I, I remember hearing this interview that he had about the gift of tongues. If you know John Piper, you would probably expect he doesn't practice the gift of tongues. You probably expect he doesn't like it. But in the interview, he's saying, you know what? Every year, I pray for the gift of tongues. I'm about 80 God hasn't given it to me yet. But you know what? I never stop eagerly desiring it. I, I never stop asking. And someone as influential as John Piper, someone who's doing amazing things for the body of Christ, for the church, 
it, it struck me that he has not received the gift, but he still eagerly desires it. And so today, you know, I want everyone who wants the gift to get the gift. But even if you walk away not getting the gift, if you eagerly desire, if you have that posture, that would make me so happy. I believe that would please the heart of God. I think Paul would be so happy and so pleased with the church today because I believe that's the posture that God calls us to take. And so I believe in the season, God is releasing the gift of tongues among some of you. Some of you have been eagerly desiring it for a long time. Some of you, maybe after today, you're wanting it. But I believe in this season, there's something about this season as we're talking about Holy Spirit where God is releasing the gift. So I want to encourage you, if you want it, it's available for you. Come with the heart that I'm ready for, God. If he doesn't give it, it's okay. But I'm not going to stop desiring it. I'm not going to stop wanting it. And so I want us to come with that posture. I want us to begin hungering for these spiritual gifts. I want us to hunger for the gift of tongues as a means of strengthening ourselves and as a means of expressing our wordless groans to God. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? Right now, whether you're on the stream or you're here in this room, I do believe that Holy Spirit wants to touch you. Obviously, for uh, purposes of safety, we cannot do a physical altar call. But I do believe right now, this is even more powerful, actually, in your own personal space with God. Some of you may already have the gift. That's beautiful. I want you to celebrate that. Maybe some of you have been longing for the gift, but it hasn't come. Maybe some of you today are just beginning to open your heart to the idea of the gift. Wherever you're at, I just want you to allow God to meet you in this place. God, what are you saying about this weird, strange gift? Yet some things that are strange are also beautiful. And I feel like God is saying, This might be weird. This might be beyond your comprehension. This might be out of your mind. But it's beautiful. And so listen, wherever you're at, wherever you're at with this gift, whether you want it, whether you're desiring it, I really believe the Holy Spirit's going to touch you right now. So listen, whether you're at home or you're here in this room, let's just make space right now. So if you're wanting the gift, I want you to just begin praying. It doesn't have to be loud. Just begin praying out loud, Holy Spirit, I want the gift of tongues. I want to be able to access this beautiful gift. If you already have the gift, just begin praying in tongues right now. Begin praying in the language. If you're still on the fence and you're not sure, Just say, God, I thank you that, you know, whether I have this gift or not, that I have you. Come on, right now, I just want us to pray in one voice. It doesn't have to be loud. You know, we don't have to have a charismatic revival service. It doesn't have to be this spectacular emotional moment. Just begin making a space for Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here right now, here in this room, here across the stream, in the living rooms, in the bedrooms, wherever we're at right now, we make space for those in our church those who are watching who want this gift, who have been eagerly desiring it, we make space for you to give it if you want. 
For those of us who have it, God, we thank you for it. And we, we give to you our wordless groans of praise and prayer and thankfulness. For those of us who are on the fence and not sure, God, I thank you that it doesn't make us apart from you. It doesn't make us less mature. But right now, Holy Spirit, would you touch every heart, God? Would you touch every believer that is watching, that is with us right now? Would you move right now in this room? Would you move upon our hearts? Would you move upon our lips and do what you can do? God, we thank you in your wisdom and your beautiful understanding. You give and distribute according to your desire, according to your understanding and your wisdom. And so we welcome you, God. We ask you to do what only you can do. We don't want to force anything. There's no pressure. There's no anxiety. There's only joy in your presence. There's only peace here in your presence, God. Hmm. Come on, right now, hold on. I, I do feel like some of you feel this pressure, this anxiety. It's like you have to do something right or you have to perform. I just feel like God's saying you don't need to carry any of that. And I just feel like the peace of God is falling upon every one of you. Whether you have it or not, whether you're getting it or not, the peace of God is falling upon you right now. Hmm.